0: having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. And we talked about verses 22 and 23 and kind of touched on verse 24 last week. But, you know, we were talking about the sovereignty of God, how God's sovereign uh, foresight, or however you want to look at it, his sovereignty, his divine sovereignty, provided his son as our Savior. Not only did he provide him as our Savior, but then he, he raised him here on... In verse twenty four, we know that he raised him from the dead. And um, you know, his his divine plan was not for his son to die, his divine plan all along was for him to to go to the to to come to this earth to be a, a witness of God Almighty Himself and to help folks realize that they needed they needed to be saved, they needed Christ in their lives. And and that's still his purpose. That's still the reason he came. You know, I thought about how it is a week from Christmas and this time of the season and The reason for it has not changed. Irregardless of what the world thinks, it doesn't matter. The reason hasn't changed. It's still all about Jesus Christ, the one and only begotten Son of God. And I thought about His his resurrection here in verse 24. It said that He raised Him up. And, you know, we know on the third day that Christ rose from the dead. And we know that His resurrection is the fundamental basis of our belief. Would you, not, would you not agree with me? I mean, his, his resurrection is the fundamental belief that we have as, as Christians. And, um, and it's the fundamental basis of the gospel. And Peter gives us here... What did I say Peter? <laughs> That's what I wrote down. Man, I don't know where my mind goes sometimes. Wow. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, Luke gives us here... I'm not sure where that came from. Some, some important facts about the resurrection. And here in this, just in verse 24, look at the things that he tells us about the resurrection. Number one, he makes clear for us to understand that it was God that raised Jesus from the dead. He makes it clear. I mean, he tells us right here that whom God hath raised up. I mean, he's very clear about that. The other thing is, he tells us is that Jesus was dead. I mean, and you say, why are you saying this? It's important that we understand these things. It's important because not everyone Sees those things that way. And we're, we need to understand what, what God's word tells us about this. He was dead. And number three, it says here that having loosed the pains of death, death has power. And I mean, and, and, and Luke wants us to understand that. Um, but the last thing he tells us is death's power was overcome by the resurrection of Christ. Death's power was overcome by God's power. And I say amen to that and glory because we know that he's not dead. This morning he's not he hadn't been dead ever since he rose up that morning he's alive and he'll be alive forevermore and one of these days we're going to see him one of these days we're going to see him face to face that's why he came he came to to, to invite us in to his family and uh, I'm glad of that this morning but I, I thought about how I thought about this God's power and I just couldn't you know I went on and I read several verses on in I think I read all the way over through chapter 3 and I just kept coming back. Uh, just couldn't couldn't move forward from it, and, and I hope this will, this will, this will, I don't know, just help us this morning. I hope, but because um, I kept thinking about God's Spirit and God's power, I just couldn't, I just couldn't get past that. And the same Spirit and the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same Spirit and the same power that one day showed me I was lost and needed to be saved. You know, and one of these days all of us that are saved, that same spirit and that same power is going to take us. If we if he doesn't come back before we die, it's going to raise us up just like it raised up Christ. It's going we're going to get resurrected one of these days if we don't if he doesn't come back before we die. But um I mean, I don't know, y'all don't seem too excited about that. But that kind of excites me a little bit. I kind of got excited when I was studying this and reading this. I mean, God is the fact that he has and I've said it many times, but I'll never get over the fact that He, the creator of everything, the universe, everything, He desires a relationship with us. Individually, personally, He desires a relationship with us. I'll never get over that. And uh, again, that same power is going to raise us up one of these days, and I say praise His holy name, but I kept thinking about the word spirit, and Holy Ghost, because in these verses that we've been talking about since we got into Acts, the Holy Ghost and the word Spirit is mentioned several times. And when I thought, I just thought about how His Spirit, His Spirit, I'm sorry, there's no limitations. There's no limitations to the power and to, the, to anything that God wants to do, God can't do. And there's no limitations to the Holy Spirit. There's no limitations, None. You may say, well, you know, things aren't working out the way I want them to. That doesn't have anything to do with the fact that God's plan is perfect, and His Spirit has unlimited power. God has unlimited power. God has unlimited knowledge, way above ours, and uh, He knows everything. But when we think about these these words, and, and the first one's spirit, and I know that the word spirit can mean different things in the Bible okay and I understand that it can be you know and we know that there are good spirits and there are bad spirits as far as that goes but spirit when I looked at it it's in the Bible a lot I did a rough count pulled my concordance out and did a rough count I came up with 500 times that word spirit is in the Bible and in the New Testament it's in there about 260 times and, and I thought yesterday as I was yesterday morning as I was studying a little bit and reading I looked at that and I thought huh, 260, that's about half of 500, give or take. I mean, you know. And I thought, you know, I don't think that was any accident of the fact that God's Spirit was just as present in the Old Testament as what it is today and as what it, what, what it is in the New Testament, you know. And I mean, just as present. And, and I think, you know, I wondered maybe I, uh, when we were talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost that doesn't mean that the Spirit was not present in the world prior to that. What that means is the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out and offered to numerous people at the same time. The Holy Spirit was present, I mean the Spirit was present because God would touch people individually for specific, very specific purposes even in the Old Testament. So it was there. God's Spirit's always been here because God's always been here. God's always been present. So, but... You think about that, and, and and I just uh I thought about the power of his spirit. And without his spirit, you know, in our lives, I didn't understand this before I got saved, but I understand it now that without his spirit, I don't I I never had any power. I mean I thought I did, but I never had any any real power in terms of, of living for him and being able to live for him. It's his spirit that makes all the difference. And if you turn back to uh to Zechariah, which is there's a verse I wanted to read back here. And these verses, these verses in, uh, in chapter 4, pretty interesting. If you, if you haven't read those in a while, you might want to go back and, and, and read them. But um, I'm going to read verse 6. And it says in Zechariah uh, chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit," saith the Lord of hosts. And you say, "Well, what's he talking about there?" Well, if you back up, uh, Zerubbabel had been called to to do a work. Actually, he'd been called from what I from what I recall was he was one of the one of the first group of people to be to come back uh, out of the from Babylon from captivity. If I'm if I'm recalling correctly to actually build the temple itself back. Now, I know that Nehemiah and, and Ezra, they were talked about rebuilding the walls, but this was actually to rebuild the temple. But anyway, if you go up in here in the, in the, in the earlier verses here, it, t- it talks about a candlestick, and it talks about olive trees. And I started thinking about how the oil from the olive trees was used back in those days. And the oil was used. The key purpose, one of the key purposes of oil, was to provide light. They didn't have any. They didn't have any other means for light. They would used the oil to provide light. And and he talks about this candlestick here. And this candlestick has, you know, this is prophecy that has to do with with other things besides what I'm talking to speak of. But I thought about the golden candlestick that was in the tabernacle. Is what I thought about. And I thought about the fact that that golden candlestick was there. For what purpose was to, well, there was a couple of purposes, but it held lamps that provided light. And the source of that light, again, is the oil. And I thought, you know, it talks about his spirit, about God's spirit here in chapter four. And I thought, you know, his spirit, his anointing, in order for there to be anointing, there's got to be oil. And in the Bible, oil is represented, I mean, the Holy Spirit is represented by oil okay and to me the spirit of God is represented by the oil and and I thought how that that's still true today and when somebody has a need you know we're a church that believes in prayer no doubt but when somebody has a need and maybe in wants a seeking a, a closer touch or, or or a health issue or something I mean they may request to be anointed right and I thought how that that oil itself it does not have any power in and of itself But that oil represents the presence of God's power. Is what that represents. And the same way here, he was telling him that, look, he says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. What What he wanted him to understand was, you can't do this. I may have called you, but you can't do this on your own. You know, we can't live the Christian life on our own. We can't do service for him on our own. It takes the spirit of God within us, So that we can live for Him. And when it says not by might nor by power, it's very clear what He's he's saying is that that might is human ability. That's what that means. It's talking about by might. And by power, that's talking about human strength. Human strength and human ability is not needed in the service for the Lord. What is needed is reliance upon his spirit, and he will provide the strength and the ability, whatever's needed. He'll he'll equip us to do whatever he needs us to do, but we've got to rely upon his spirit. If his spirit's not on us, if his presence is not in our lives, then we're not going to be able to serve him, or we're not going to be able to to perform the things that he wants us to perform for him, the, the work that he wants us to do for him. So if you get some spare time, read... Zechariah, that, that chapter 4, it's, it's really interesting. I'm not going to get into it this morning, but it's very interesting about the, where it talks about the, the oil from the trees and the oil coming through and flowing through the pipes and going out to provide oil for the lamp so that the light burns. You know, and you think about the candlestick in the tabernacle. I mean, to me, that's a picture of Christ. I mean, you know, I mean, y'all can agree. I mean, tell me if you don't agree, but to me, that's a picture of Christ and, and the light you know, J. Vernon McGee, I can't remember exactly how he said it, I didn't write it down, but he was talking about, the, he was talking about the, the lamp, the lamps, the light, being the Holy Spirit, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit being to be a reflection or to be a representation for us to look at Christ. And I thought how, that, how true that is when you think about that, because without the Holy Spirit, I never would have known that I needed Jesus Christ as my Savior. I mean, you think about it. So, I mean, that's the, that's the purpose of the Spirit is to show us, is to, is to reveal to us and show us who Jesus is. So, is, that making, is this making sense this morning? I mean, I hope. I hope it is because I thought it was, I don't know, it was good for me anyway. So, the Spirit of God is represented by the oil. And like I said, it's still true today. And without His Spirit, here's the key. Without His Spirit, there is no anointing. Okay. There is no anointing. And you think about how they anointed people in Scripture. And to me, there's two ways. There was, there's two things, and it still holds true today. There's two things. In Scripture, it was either they were either anointed materially with oil. And to me, that was kind of the, I would think in terms of the Old Testament like that. Or even today, when we, when we take the oil, and, and, and Pastor Tom or Josh or Greg or whoever, and puts that oil, to me, that's the material part of it. But then there's also the spiritual part of the Holy Ghost, okay, and that's the other anointing, so that's the two things but without that, again we can't serve the way he wants us to serve, so in um, the anointing is what I kind of got drawn to and that's in 1 John chapter 2 I'm hoping this is coming together It's made sense when I was studying it so. 1 John chapter 2 talks about the anointing and He's talking about us as believers, the fact that we've been anointed. And the reason that we've been anointed, the reason that we've been touched is because the Holy Spirit has come into our lives when we ask him to come into our heart, into our life and save us. The Holy Spirit came in and we've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at, uh, well, he's drawn, he's drawn a correlation here. So I'm going to start reading in verse 18. It says, little children, it is the last time, and as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come even now Are there many antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time? They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying, you know, some people may look like they love the Lord, but deep down inside they don't really love the Lord, and eventually it's going to show. But, let me go on. But ye have an unction... From the Holy One, and ye know all things. We are, to, we are to have the ability to be able to ascertain that, right? I mean, we, we ought to know if somebody is, 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 is real or not. That's, I don't know what else to say other than that. We ought to know that. And if, because we have the Spirit in us, God's given us the ability, God's given us His Word and His Spirit and His presence to understand and to be able to tell what is truth and what is not. And I'm talking about that truth covers a lot of, a lot of ground. He goes on and he says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. I'm glad today, as always, this word, if you're ever wondering, is something right or is something wrong, is something true, is there something false, all you got to do is look in this book right here, because this book will always tell you what the truth is, always. He says, who is a liar, but he that denieth Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist, "...that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father." And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. Listen to what he says. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. And here's the key. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. It's all about the anointing. It's all about his spirit. That's how we know whether or not we belong to him. How do you know you're saved? Come on, somebody give me that. Come on. <laughs> What's that? That's right. He didn't, he didn't live there before, did he, Wendell? No, sir, he didn't. I mean, people may say, well, I'm not sure. No, you, you, you know. I mean, because, yeah, I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm not what I used to be. Thank God I'm not because of his grace. Because of his presence. That's what makes a difference is his presence. But the anointing is, is what I'm trying to get at this morning. Is, and his anointing only comes from his great power. So. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Thelma. That's exactly right. I wouldn't be standing here this morning if he wouldn't have given me the strength to get up out of bed. Get in the car and drive here. You know. People say, oh, I did that on my own. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, that's like saying, I generated the breath that I'm breathing. No. Every breath, every heartbeat, everything that we have, literally being here, he's given to us. You know? So, I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't thank him enough. I can tell you that. But, so, the spirit and the other word I thought about was the Holy Ghost, And we talked about about the Holy Ghost some, and and, and it's in the verses, like I said, in in these other verses here in Acts. But when I thought about that, I looked at it, and it's 90 times in the New Testament. But the very first appearance is what got me. And I thought, you know, I believe this is what I'm supposed to share this morning because I think God has brought us here because it's a week before Christmas. And that first time that the Holy Ghost is mentioned in the New Testament... Does anybody want to tell me where it is? I'll tell you. It's in Matthew, hmm? That's right, when Jesus was conceived, in Matthew chapter 1. So let me turn there and read a verse or two. But I thought, you know, and I'll just say this as I'm turning, it all comes down for us as individuals, for us, it all comes down to His birth. You know, for us to be able to, to be part of His family, it all comes down to His birth. It all comes down to His presence. It all comes down to His Spirit being with us. Without His Spirit being with us, we're not of His. We're not part of His. And in Matthew 1.18 it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then if you go on down the second time, I believe it's used it's right down here in verse 20. Talking about Joseph and said, but while he thought on these things, behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And you know, Jesus himself tells us in the Bible that he came to fulfill the purpose of the Father, right? That's why he came. Now, I know he came to seek and to save that which was lost, but his purpose, the whole time he was living, the whole time he was here, was to fulfill the Father's purpose. So, and I thought about how the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit have the same purpose, is to fulfill the will of the Father, right? To, f- to fulfill the will of the Father. To make known the Father's purpose in each of our lives. I just kind of thought about that. I mean, I, I don't know, but have you, have you ever thought about it that way? I mean, I know we can't be saved without it, but have you ever thought that everything that he does, that the Holy Spirit does, everything that it moves upon us and shows us, is coming from God the Father. One and the same, of course, but but His purpose in each of our lives is to make known the Father's purpose in our life. I mean, I think that's just, I don't know about you all, but I think that's pretty special that He cares. I mean, the Holy Spirit, He's our helper, right? He's our helper. He's, he's the one that guides us and helps us to live and to do the things that God the Father would have us to do, the way He would have us to live. And, Um, I'm going to go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Read a few verses this morning. But I'm thankful for his spirit this morning. I'm thankful that when he saved us, he gave us somebody that would be with us all the time, that would never leave us, that would always be there to help us, to guide us, to, to equip us, to do whatever it is, whatever the life that, that he's laid out, that he wants us to live, he's given us someone to help us do it. I mean I, I, I mean I'm thankful for that this morning, but John chapter 16 verse 13 says, "Howbeit when he the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself but whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak and he will show you things to come he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall shew unto you and shall shew it unto you all things that the father hath are mine therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall shew it unto you and if you go back to john turn back a page well maybe you don't even have to turn back a page John 15, verse 26, Jesus again saying, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. I mean, again, he's telling us that he's come so that he'll, he's going to communicate what the Father's will is to us. That's what he's telling us there. If you go back to John chapter 14... Verse 15. 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. And if you notice, that, that, that word has got a capital C on the front of it. That's not just something, that's somebody. Amen. And he says that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Y'all should at least say amen or something. I mean, not because I said that, but I mean, man, I mean, think about it. I mean, this is the reason, I mean, the thing that I thought about was, this is the whole reason why Christ came. This is the whole reason why there was a first Christmas. The night that the angel, that, that he was laying there in the manger... This is why. So he could come, and I'm getting ahead of my notes, and, and abide with us, and, and set up an abode with us, and 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 be with us and or offer himself to us to have that opportunity to abide with us. I'll put it that way. Um That's right, that's right. One down in, let me see, I lost my spot. John 1526. Sorry, i I lost my place here. Um He that love in John, yeah, verse 26. I think maybe I already read this. Hang on. Sorry, I'm getting messed up here. John 14, verses 15 to 17. Maybe I already read that. Let me read verse 26 in chapter 14. Sorry. But the comforter, which is which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And then in John 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, I like this verse, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Man, I tell you what, that's that's, that's saying he's going to come and be with us as long as we're looking to him. He'll never leave us. He'll never leave us. You know, because that word abode means a residence, a dwelling. It means to come and stay. That means he's saying... Once you invite him in, I'll come and stay with you from now on. You know. And uh, so when the Holy Ghost came and conceived with, within Mary, the Son of God, he came, he came to help mankind. Wouldn't you agree? He came to help mankind. He came to provide the bridge between God and man. The power of the Spirit conceived Jesus Christ in Mary. The power of the Spirit guided Jesus. You think about it guided Christ his entire life that spirit guided him his entire life all the way to the cross and he still I mean he guided him all the way through but all the way but here's what I like the power of the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead and if you look at Romans you find it here Romans 8, eleven, I think But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. The same Holy Spirit is seeking to guide all lost souls today. Where? To the cross. Seeking to guide all lost souls to the cross. And his purpose hasn't changed. His purpose has not changed. From the time that he came, that first... That first night when he came, his purpose has not changed. Hebrews chapter 1, and I'll finish with this. That's right. Hadn't changed and he never will. That's right. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old, as doth a garment and as a vesture shalt thou fold them up and they shall be changed but thou art the same and thy years shall not fail he's never going to change he never has changed and his purpose is still the same if you happen to be with us this morning and you've never asked christ into your heart what would be the best christmas present you ever got i can tell you that amen. amen hope you all got a little something out of the lesson this morning